0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mario Mastin. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. His house is in foreclosure, but he says to his friend, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And his friend says, How come? How come you're not worried with all that stuff going on in your life? Come on. And he says, because I've hired a professional worrier. (laughs) And he does all the worrying for me. His friend replied, that's fantastic. That is amazing. How much does it cost for a professional worrier? And he said, well, it's 50 grand a year. This guy's got all this credit card debt. His house is foreclosed. Car's being repossessed. And he says, yeah, 50 grand a year. And his friend says, wow, that's really expensive. Where are you going to get that kind of money? And the man replied, I don't know. That's for him to worry about. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Worry is another word for anxiety, actually. They're kind of uh, interchangeable. And i I think if we're being true, we all at some level contend with worry or anxiety. Alan Perkins has pointed out that for some, anxiety is an occasional visitor. While for others, it's a constant companion. For some, he says, anxiety is mildly uncomfortable. While for others, it's intensely painful. For some, he says, anxiety is a slight distraction. While for others, it completely immobilizes. So whatever the degree of anxiety in and around our lives. The reality is when we allow anxiety to take hold. In the present we forfeit and it steals from us peace and the security that is actually rightfully ours in Christ. I want to think about this a little bit this morning because I think this impacts all of us right where we live. In different seasons, and for some of us, in a more constant fashion, as um, as Alan Perkins points out, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and there always is. That can sometimes call us if we fix on it and fixate about it to get stressed out and to begin to worry and become anxious. Think about it for a moment. There are like political conflicts. There are wars in various places around the planet going on right now and instability of various kinds. There are threats from terrorists. There are economic challenges and uncertainties. There are climate and environmental concerns. There are trouble in demographic and resource terms. There's lots of different issues and then there's natural disasters that you don't see coming. And seem to be happening with increasing frequency of one kind or another. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. Jesus prophesied about some of this stuff. He said that we would face wars. And earthquakes. And other disasters. But he told us. Not to be frightened in Luke 21 verse 9. He said these things are going to happen. And they will happen with increasing frequency But do not be frightened. He also said that men will faint for terror. Apprehensive of what is coming upon the world. Luke 21 verse 26. These are the words of Jesus. In other words. It's not only the actual events. That will cause deep anxiety. But it's the expectation of what's going to happen. That causes us to worry. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not just the events, it's the fact that we expect and anticipate things that we cannot control. And it will create fear at the heart of men. And think about it on the personal level. I've just talked about like big things, the macro things. Think about it on the micro level in your own life personally. There are many factors that cause stress and anxiety. Marital and family concerns can create Tremendous emotional stress and anxiety, other relational concerns, health and aging, job and financial security concerns. Now, there are times, to be honest with you, where I think stress can't be avoided. For instance, if you lose a job, or more importantly, if you lose a loved one. Or sometimes psychologists say one of the most stressful things you can do is move from one place to another. Having done that three or four or five times transatlantically, I can attest to that. (laughs) It's a stressful undertaking. For all kinds of reasons. All of these things can create stress and give us anxiety robbing us of the peace that Jesus promised. Chad was praying at the end of the the time between worship and, and moving into the announcements this morning about God being faithful to keep the promises that he's made to us. Well, one of the promises he's made to us is peace. But so many of these things, big picture things and things that are big picture to us in our personal lives can create stress, anxiety, worry, and rob us of that peace. But the good news... Of the gospel and of Jesus is that we do not have to be worried and we do not have to be anxious and we don't have to live in that place. Well, if that's true, then the question is how? How do we not live in anxiety and and worry when we're confronted sometimes at these different levels with things that would cause us to react that way? Well, I want to go to one of my favorite letters in the New Testament, and it seems to be on God's heart this morning because Chad referred to it and Amy referred to it, and it's Paul's joy letter. At least that's the way I'm describing it. It's the letter of Philippians. And in that letter, Paul says something wonderful in a couple of verses, very short text, and here it is, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And Paul says this. Look at these words and let them sink deeply, not just into your mind, but into your heart and spirit this morning. Here it is, right out of the gate. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Jim was exhorting us this morning in worship to thanksgiving, right? Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god when you do that paul says something will happen the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus that's what i want to look at this morning what is paul really saying there about the practicality of walking out life with jesus so that we really know that peace that transcends our understanding and that will guard our hearts and minds well i think what paul is saying here is that there are two choices we've got to make and two corresponding things that we've got to do and the first choice we have to make is this We have to make a choice not to be anxious. There's a choice involved. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He couldn't exhort us to that command and that exhortation if it weren't possible for us to make a choice not to do that. Do not be anxious for anything, Paul says. (laughs) Now, when I read that, I think, like, hold on a minute. Is that really possible? Can we really decide not to be anxious? Because our emotions are involved in that reaction. You know, with the pace and the pressures of life. With the real stuff that happens around us and to us. And the stuff that we don't see coming. That's the stuff that really gets you. Is when you don't see it coming. The uncertainties that lie out there, the potential threats of all kinds, especially, say, to those that we love. Is it really possible, Paul, not to be anxious for anything? I mean, that is such a declarative, universal statement. Don't be anxious for anything. You know, over the years, in popular culture, at different times songwriters of one kind or another, have exhorted us not to worry. Now I have to say, looking back over this, over the last 20, 30 years, I don't find too many songwriters exhorting us not to worry. I'm just talking about in popular culture. Maybe because they bought into the angst, the anxiety, and the agitation of current culture, and so they can't speak into that anymore. But go back just a little way, and I'm old enough to be able to do this, Back in the 70s, Bob Marley wrote a song called Three Little Birds. I'm not going to sing it for you. But it goes, there's a line in it that goes like this. Don't worry, because every little thing is going to be all right. All right? Every, don't worry, because every little thing's going to be all right. And then in the 80s, Bobby McFerrin wrote a song. And... Uh, It was a huge hit internationally across the globe. And the title and the refrain of the song was Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? And then Mark Knopfler, more up my street, who was the lead singer songwriter of the band Dire Straits, wrote a song called Why Worry? Why Worry Now? Why Worry? right? So in popular culture, we've had people speak the reality of something that's true, spiritually speaking, is that there is no benefit to worry. There's no reason actually to worry. And we ought not to do it. Now, these are people who are coming from a non-Christian perspective. And even they have bought into the reality that worry does not benefit us. It doesn't prosper us. It doesn't move us forward. In fact, it has a deleterious, it has a negative impact on our lives. You know, when what about Paul then? What about Paul? How would he have answered the question about worry? With a resounding yes, that's not something you're supposed to do, which is why he told us that. Now let me just put a little bit of context in here, because the force of what Paul's saying takes on a lot more impact when you realize the context in which he wrote those words. According to John McRae, who's professor of New Testament at Wheaton College, one of the premier uh, evangelical colleges in the United States, this professor of the New Testament, uh, John McRae, said that he estimates that Paul spent about 25% of his entire ministry in prison. So one quarter of his ministry he spent behind bars. He also points out that the Roman prison was a bloody ordeal. It was preceded, before you went into prison, it was always preceded by you being stripped and flogged until you were bloody, ...and painful, a painful and humiliating experience. That preceded being thrown into prison. Bleeding wounds, he writes, went untreated... ...and prisoners sat in painful leg irons and wrist chains. Mutilated and blood-stained clothes were not replaced even in winter. And by the way, there was no central heating. Prison food, when available, was incredibly poor... And most cells, he said, were dark, especially the inner cells. And we know from the scripture that Paul was at times thrown into the inner cell. So it was completely black. Like the cell that he and Silas were thrown into in Philippi. There would be, he said, unbearable cold, a lack of water, cramped quarters, and sickening stench. Made sleeping difficult and waking hours miserable. The future of any prisoner was uncertain. Many begged for a speedy death, and others simply committed suicide. Now, none of us, I think, are ever likely to have that kind of experience. I think it's probably fair to say. Paul was in a Roman prison in Philippi a few thousand years ago. So why did I take the time to describe that? Well, because Paul is not telling us not to be anxious about anything at a time when everything's hunky-dory. He's writing those words to us when he is subjected to what I just described from that professor from Wheaton College. That was Paul's reality at the time that he wrote these words. Do not be anxious for anything. He was in an extremely stressful and horrendous situation. I can't imagine circumstances much worse than that. And he's exhorting the Christians in Philippi and all Christians everywhere ultimately not to be anxious about anything. I get anxious about so many inconsequential things. Truth in advertising, let me give you this one. I've been down in Massachusetts the last few days visiting my family and I was trying to send the message that I'm preaching now to Jasmine so she could create the slides for this morning that you're now looking at. And I was having problems. (laughs) And I was getting seriously stressed that I couldn't get this through. I tried emailing it. It was bouncing back. I'm like, It's Friday, she's in, I know she's gonna get it done. I'm getting, I'm starting to get anxious. I can feel the emotion (laughs) creeping up in me. It starts coming out of my mouth, (laughs) seriously, it did. I start, you know, hurling things into the air. Now, hopefully those things were, you know, on a level of scale of one to 10, they were probably about a three. But they were just an expression of rising anxiety and emotional reaction to something so inconsequential and eventually i just clicked on <laughs> I, I clicked on uh the message i had there and the title came up it was like don't be anxious <laughs> and i was just smote with this conviction i thought mario that is so pathetic <laughs> get with the program you're about to preach this to the church You're talking about Paul being in these horrendous circumstances, and you're beginning to freak out because you can't get an email to go through? (laughs) Look, Paul wasn't sat in a recliner watching the ball game, eating a steak and sipping Pinot Noir when he wrote this word. He was in a really deep, dark place, bloodied, left, uncertain about the future. He didn't know if his head was going to be cleaved from his shoulders the next day. And we know ultimately that is what happened to him, isn't it? Later. He was martyred when his head was severed from his body. He did not know when he was in Philippi that that might not happen the next day. And he's saying, be anxious for nothing. Don't get anxious about anything. The context makes his words so much more compelling. Because we realize he's not he's not in some cool place where everything's great for him It was right the reverse. So get the idea when he says do not be anxious for anything he means it. Like there's no equivocation there's no qualification there's no rationalization. It's just like hey guys don't be anxious for anything. He's saying look there will be challenges there'll be circumstances there'll be situations. That will cause you to want to react that way. But don't. (coughs) Excuse me. And let me say this to you this morning. Because I'm trying to grow in this. I really am. When we make a choice not to be anxious. And mean it. What we're doing is we're letting go of fear. We're letting go of fear when we make that choice. Because you know it's fear that undergirds anxiety. Fear comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And it has sometimes a variety of complex causes, so I'm not oversimplifying things. But the bottom line is this that fear, when it takes hold in our lives, it's pernicious and it's powerful. Don't think that fear is not pernicious and not powerful. It's both of those things at the same time. And when it takes a grip of our life, it has a very negative impact. Fear causes us to live in anxiety, and anxiety in turn has a destructive impact on our spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical health. It saps us of our spiritual strength. How many of you have heard of Corrie Ten Boom? A good bunch of you, but many have not. Let me tell you who Corrie Ten Boom was. She was a Dutch clockmaker living in Holland, which is where Dutch people tend to live. Um, she was a Dutch clockmaker, part of a family of clockmakers, and she worked with her father and her sister in the family business. Early 1930s, uh, sorry, late 1930s, (coughs) the Nazis invade, as you know, most of Europe, ultimately right up to and including France. But they invade Holland, take control of that country and begin to impose their brutal godless regime on Holland. And they begin doing there what they did everywhere else stigmatize, label, round up and send off to concentration camps Jews. And you know Second World War, about six million Jews went to the gas chambers in Germany and in Poland under Nazi control. She and her family used to hide Jews in their home where they had their clock making business. They would hide Jews in the attic from the Nazis. And they did it for a number of years through the war. But eventually, somebody in the neighborhood told the Gestapo what they were doing. A neighbor. Somebody who was Dutch. And the Nazi, the Gestapo, swept in. uh, Mercifully, the Jews that were there at the time were able to get away uh, before them coming. But they came in. They broke up. the family, and ultimately, and I won't go into the whole story, if you've never seen the movie The Hiding Place or read the book about Corrie Ten Boom, the book is fascinating to read, and the movie is really well done. And um, what happens in the end is her parents are sent off to a concentration camp. She and her sister, Betsy, land up in Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp in Germany. And her sister lands up dying in the concentration camp. And Cory Temboom survives. And on the basis of what seems ultimately to have been a clerical error. But she always attests it was a miracle of God. She is eventually released from the concentration camp. The following week all the women in that concentration camp. Of which she had been a part were all gassed. She got out. And she found out afterwards there had been a clerical error. I believe God was involved in just. Making that happen because of her life. And she attested that. And the influence of her ministry after this. So that's Corey Ten Boom. This is what she said. Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. She lost her family. She was, lost her sister. Watched her die in the concentration camp next to her. Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. When we step into a place of worry and anxiety, it robs us of something. It doesn't just produce an emotional dysfunctional reaction in us. It robs us of strength to go through whatever the circumstances are that we have to walk through. Now, I don't want to be overly simplistic about this. And let me just say this because uh, it's important that I do. I'm aware that anxiety is medically uh, defined as a disorder uh, that universally is categorized as a mental illness, uh, and the medical fraternity has developed uh, therapies and medications to treat it, and I recognize there's a proper place for that diagnosis and treatment. So I'm not being overly simplistic here. Can I recognize that? However, I also recognize the authority of God's word and that our healing ultimately comes, like all healing does in the end, from the great physician, from God himself. And there must be meaningful significance to Paul writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, else why would he do it? Through the empowerment of the Spirit... And the sufficiency of God's grace. I actually believe that each one of us can make the choice that Paul made in that prison cell. Which was not to be anxious about anything. Now it takes the power of God for us to live in that place. In another place Paul says this then. Incomparably of God's power. He says God's incomparably great power is for us who believe. Who is God's incomparably great power for? Us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. And Paul says, this is the power that's at work in us through the Holy Spirit. When we access that power by faith, which is the only way we can access it. When we access that power promised to us by faith, we'll free ourselves from the power of anxiety. We'll start living from above even though we're on the earth. Because we are seated together in the heavenly realms with Christ. And in that place we've received every spiritual blessing, Paul says to the Ephesians. So we can start living from above even when we're on the earth. When we do that by faith through the enabling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We'll demonstrate an authority that comes from being in Christ and a citizen of heaven. That takes dominion over darkness. Over fear. Over circumstances that breed fear. That releases greater power than the power of anxiety in our lives. We will live strong even when we're weak. That's what Paul said, wasn't it, to the Corinthians? Yes, it is. He said, my grace, he's quoting Jesus' words to Paul. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You notice he didn't say my power is made perfect in strength. Jesus said to Paul directly, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul responded and he said, Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might rest upon me. Paul knew that weakness was an opportunity to possess and display and experience the power of Christ in his life. It's this power that allowed him to make that decision, even though he was in that horrible circumstance that I talked about earlier. The second and Other decision we have to make is this. Make a choice to trust God. It's one thing to make a decision not to be anxious. It's another thing to make a decision to trust God. In the midst of the circumstances. Whatever they may be. Paul says. But in everything. By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. That's an exhortation to trust God. As we. Pray and petition him and to do it with thanksgiving and and to present any request that we have to him. Knowing that we can trust him. Francis Frangipane says. Anxiety is a byproduct of unbelief. The anxiety is a byproduct of unbelief. It is a spiritual terror attack. From hell, that is silently killing tens of thousands of people every day. He also goes on to say, Francis, that when we abandon our fears, there's not a slide for this, but I'm quoting when we abandon our fears and the stressful anxieties that come from not trusting God, when that happens, he says, We pass up the reality of the presence and power of Emmanuel, God with us in our lives. I think Francis is right. Because this is what Paul is saying in a different way. He is calling us to abandon our fears and trust God. Both his presence and his power, his presence in our lives and his power with us in life. And when we do that, you know what we do? Practically, how do we do that? We give him, you give him your concerns. This is what Paul's exhorting us to. But in everything with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Give him your concerns. He wants to hear the concerns, the the things that will cause you to be anxious or worried. He wants you to present those as well as everything else to him. Often, though, instead of giving our concerns to the Lord, we hold on to them. And we start to worry. And we become anxious. And this anxiety then becomes debilitating. And it becomes destructive. You know why? Because we're carrying something we were never meant to carry. Imagine if somebody just loaded you up with, you know, like, 150 pounds on your back. And then said walk around and do everything else in life that you would normally do. It's going to be debilitating. It's eventually going to affect you. That's kind of what we do with anxiety and worry. Look. What did Jesus say in his most famous of all sermons? The one we call the sermon on the amount. Not on the amount. On the Mount? I'm kind of, (coughs) that was a marriage encounter term. (laughs) But I can't go further because I'm not supposed to say anything about that. (laughs) The Sermon on the (coughs) Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, you know, like Jesus' most famous teaching, really. He says this, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, this is Jesus, okay? Paul's a big deal. Jesus is the biggest. I tell you, do not worry about your life. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? But it feels so good to worry and be anxious, Lord. What's the point? You can't add an hour to your life by doing that. In fact, I would insert there parenthetically you can take an hour from your life. And I think that's implied in what Jesus is saying. People die because they get stressed out and overly anxious and it has a deleterious effect on their physical health. I tell you, do not worry about your life. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Therefore, Jesus says, therefore, given what I've just said, which is you can't add an hour to your life by worrying. So don't do it. Then he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus is teaching in this section on the Sermon on the Mount the importance of trusting God with our lives instead of worrying about them. When we make a choice to trust God, it means we give Him our concerns. We don't need a professional warrior then. We don't need one. Worrier, I mean, not warrior. We don't need a professional worrier when we have The loving, unfailing, compassionate, caring, interested God that we have. You know, Peter, that other really well-known apostle experienced a fair share of stress and anxiety in his life, and he wrote these words in his first letter. Cast all your anxiety on him, referring to Jesus. What are we supposed to do with our anxiety? Cast it all on him. Cast it all on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Our God is interested in us. He loves us in the most intensely personal and interested way. Even beyond what we could imagine. Peter says cast all your anxiety on him. Not some of it. Don't think you can carry some of it and just give God this stuff. No, cast it all on the Lord because he cares for you. <laughs> we have to choose not to freak out in the present when bad things happen because we recognize we have what Francis, Francis Payne referred to as the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. We have to choose not to fear the future Because we recognize that the God of the future has our future in his loving hands. We have to choose to stop trying to control things and recognize that God is in control. (laughs) And our destiny is assured in him. It's not up for grabs. God's faithful to his promise. So here's how it works. When stress causes us to feel anxious. We hand the concerns and the stressors over to Jesus. And as we do, we turn our worries into prayers. And we thank him for the grace to be able to do so and the certainty that he will take care of us and whatever it is that we've given to him. Simply put, we transfer our concerns to God and we transform our worries into prayers in the process, which is what Peter, uh, which is what Paul rather told us to do in this text. Eugene Peterson has a great way of putting this in the message, and it goes like this: Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. The idea of God's shalom, his peace. Not just just tranquility, but the wholeness of God. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Have you ever been in a place like that where you've gotten freaked out and in the end, maybe just out of desperation, you said, God, help me. And the Holy Spirit comes and just like settles on you. And does for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And settles you down. And you sense the shalom of God's presence. Restoring you to wholeness. It's a wonderful thing when God displaces worry with his peace. And his well-being. And he wants to do that I believe for all of us. And the outcome is always the same. In every circumstance... Where we do what Paul is calling us to do here. The circumstance might not change. Don't hear me say that if you respond to the Lord this way. Every circumstance is necessarily going to change instantaneously. Or change at all. I don't know that. What I do know is every time we respond that way. We will be guarded by the peace of God. Because that is the promise of God in his word. In this text. Paul tells us emphatically, he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, this is what it will do. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your minds and your hearts. Hearts and your minds. It will do that, the peace of God. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're talking here not about just any peace. We're talking about a supernatural peace that goes beyond the stress And anxiety and agitation of the world. Beyond our anxious response and worry. Look at that word transcend there in the Greek. Is a word that means to govern. To have authority. And to be better than. So when Paul says that the peace of God transcends our understanding. It governs the way we think. It takes authority over those thoughts that are not rightly aligned with the truth of God's word. About his peace and presence in our life. And it does so much better than anything we could ever do with an anxious reaction to a circumstance or situation we're in. Paul is saying the peace of God is pregnant with governing authority from God. With his kingdom power waiting to be birthed into our lives. To take dominion. Over stressful anxieties with something that's better and greater. And that's the peace of Christ. And the word guard here, the Greek word guard means guard. And I've mentioned this before in in other messages. It means guard or garrison. Paul is painting a word picture here. You know, like a, a military garrison. He's saying that that's what the peace of God does. It doesn't just go beyond and take authority over. It sets up a garrison guarding of God's grace over our mind and heart and life. This is what will happen when we do what Paul calls us to do here. If you doubt that this morning, I'm going to close with this. I got a deal for you. Here it is. The next time you're stressed out, like I was on Friday, whether it's over something relatively inconsequential like that or over something really significant, but the next time you are feeling stressed out and you're about to give a place to anxiety and worry and be robbed of God's peace in the process, I encourage you to do two simple things based on what Paul says here. And they are exactly what he says. Praise and pray. Praise and pray. And see what happens. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I guarantee you. This deal. That if you do that. In sincerity, I'm not talking about going through some. You know, affected fake exercise. I'm talking about really genuinely responding to God. With praise and prayer in the midst of the reality. Of the situation that otherwise spin you out into anxiety. God will show up in your life. He will take authority over that fear. He will govern the way you think. And his peace will fill your heart and spirit and even flood your your emotions. And I can make that guarantee simply because that's what God's word says. That's what Paul says to us. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that's either true or it isn't. And I choose to believe that that is true. It's in God's word. Inspired by his spirit. Penned by probably the greatest apostle of the New Testament. From a prison cell. Bloodied. Amidst the stench. And the uncertainty of whether his life was going to end. At any moment. And I'll finish with this, speaking of the end. A quote from Rick Warren. I love Rick Warren. is a great way of putting things very simply and powerfully. And he says this. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. The more you worship, the less you'll worry. You'll feel more patient and less pressured. It's just another way of saying the same thing. The more you pray, the less you'll panic and go into a place of spiral down into a place of anxiety and worry. The more you worship, the less you will worry. Why? Because you're then focusing on the one who will transcend those things that would otherwise cause you to be locked into a place of anxiety. So that's the truth this morning. If we're going to experience what it means to overcome anxiety... And overflow with God's peace we make two choices let me rehearse them again we make a choice not to be anxious about anything and as we do that we let go of fear and the second choice we make is a decision to trust God and as we do that we give him our concerns and when we do that this can be true for every one of us in this room the power of God's grace through the Spirit will set us free from anxiety and worry. The question for us is, are we going to make those decisions in our lives as we walk it out with Jesus? Because, I mean, the extent to which we do that, I honestly believe, in experiential terms, is a degree to which we will experience the peace that's been promised to us. And God wants us to. He really does. So let's... let's uh Stand together this morning. I want to invite the ministry team down. Those who are on the ministry team this morning. Give people an opportunity to receive prayer. And it just may be. Look there's stuff going on all the time in all our lives. Of one kind or another. Where we may feel stressed. And, And it might not be about something that's happening to us personally. It could be something that's happening to someone that we love or care about. the circumstances or situations that we're dealing with in our personal lives. So let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit come now in your presence and power. You who are the one that can release the peace of Christ a fruit of the Spirit we are told is the peace of God. Holy Spirit, come and release that peace in our midst now. I pray for every heart in this room now. Lord, we all need that fresh filling through your spirit of your peace that transcends, of your peace that guards. I pray that you would do that for each life in this room. And I encourage you this morning, if there's something in your own life, something that you've been concerned about. And as I said before, I feel feel an emphasis on this this morning. It may not necessarily be a concern about you, could be, but it may be about someone that's important to you, a family member, a friend, a work colleague, I don't know. I just feel like if you have that concern this morning, come let us pray for you. God asks us to petition him with thanksgiving to present our requests. Him. Because he longs to hear our requests and then to meet them out of his grace and mercy and great love. And if you need prayer for anything else this morning, I encourage you to follow you